0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Uncalculated Conversations with Hope and Shay. Hi! Last week, we um, did a really fun episode where Shay interviewed me for you guys to get to know me a little bit better. But now we get to turn the tables My and turn. I get to interview Shay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Shay, mm-hmm. like I said before we start recording, I'm pulling some Brene Brown shit on you today. Yeah. So, we're going to start off and... Um, why i want you to tell us your story
1: oh the story of me yeah okay (laughs) are we cliff noting this because this could be a very it is up to you Mm -hmm. where you start where Mm -hmm. you end what you include okay it's your story that's up to me okay well um because i'm a big picture person i'll zoom all the way out to young shay um I was raised in a, um, very Christian, conservative-ish home. Um, I, uh, was shaped a lot by my time spent in the church and being raised, um, in, in the Christian culture, um, to the point where it was very much my identity. It was not forced upon me. This was something that My parents um, passed down to me, but it was also something that was very near and dear to my heart and gave me a lot of self-worth and identity as I was getting older. Um, And I was really truly the oldest child, like, good girl (laughs) for the majority of my childhood up and through high school, um, very much in my Enneagram one wing where it was like, I I don't step out of line, I don't disturb the peace, um, I, I do the right things in the right order, like, that is, that Hmm. is what I do, but I, I was also very shy, and, um, the type of person that, um, didn't feel like she fit in, in elementary school growing up because I wasn't like I didn't do sports I didn't do dance I tried cheerleading once and it was horrifying it was terrible (laughs) none of those things are natural to me at all and I I was a writer and the art kid and loved music but I also didn't dive super deep into any of those things to where I felt like I had a label right like I didn't I wasn't a musician and I wasn't a like oh, I, I am an art kid. I was just this kind of free-floating thing that didn't fit into any one category. And at least when I was in high school, that that wasn't as normal. Like, it wasn't as um, seen as mm-hmm. other people or that did have a label or a, a space that they fit. So that was really hard for me um, and shaped a lot of who I was as well because, like it, like I said, the church is where I ended up finding my identity and where I was like, I am latched into this role of good Christian girl. Mm. This is where I get my accolades. This is where people notice me. Um, Mm. And then also uh, socially watching myself evolve. It was like a lot of these deep one-on-one relationships and then random groups that I would like pull into my life over time. So that started at a very young age, like my Gemini rising nature, but it was like bursting through this shy part of who I was. So it was like, I found my, um, fun in groups that I felt safe in through my vivacity and my, uh, loud laughter and like goofiness. But then also it was like very grounded in these are my beliefs. These are my values and I want people who also hold these things or are interested in these things in my life. Hmm. So, um, I don't I, Childhood is just this very blurry thing, but mostly it hinges on the church. And then um, when I went to college was this kind of first time where I was out on my own, and I was away from that and got to create my own thing. And that was also when I started dating my first husband and um we did the whole young marriage thing right this like fall in love with someone you've known since you were 16 and then we built community together from that place so I went from kind of the church was my identity to now my husband was my identity hmm. and they were very tied together because we met <laughs> in the church like
0: yeah. we
1: rebuilt our church community in the context of our relationship through college and then um and and everything in my life kind of went from one um perfect stair step to the other it was like the you go to school you get good grades (laughs) you go to college you figure out a major that is right for you and then you land the internship and then you land the job and then you land the engagement and the marriage and then all of a sudden you're pregnant, right? (laughs) Like everything was this very perfect linear stair step. And I, I liked life that way because it was very predictable. Like I knew what the next thing was and it really wasn't until my divorce that I feel like the big part of my life really started. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like all of that was so important. I got to know, I, I can see more about myself, who I am today, Looking back at those things because I see patterns that still show up. But like I feel like the most significant part of my growth journey, like the big parts of my story started at my divorce, which mm-hmm. we've already heard all about that in a different episode. <laughs> but it was a lot of waking up to all of the ways that I have leaned on other people and other systems to create my identity Um, because it felt more comfortable and more certain to look outside than it did to look inside. I Mm. didn't feel like I had permission. I'd given myself permission even to, to matter, to have a voice, to have things that I was like, no, this is who I am and really find confidence in it. So Mm. I think like the breakdown, the struggles, the hard stuff has like really birthed my life as Mm. it is today. Yeah. But yeah, I know that's like when I think of my story, that's what I think about. I think about a lot of like, here's all this normal, right? And then it took this big, hard hurricane um, and then sifting through all the wreckage to really start to find like, oh, what's the shiny thing that's left in the, in the center of mm. all of this garbage? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like in the part of my life, the part of my story where I'm like, living through that shiny thing and have been able to kind of sweep the garbage to the side. And then like when a piece of debris shows up, be like, Oh, I see that on the floor. Wow. What should I do with that? (laughs) (laughs) Should I look at it for a while?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So take us back a little bit to, I want to get to know high school Shay Mm. a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Like tell me, I don't know. Just tell me about high school Shay, because I mean, mm. we met way after high school. Yeah. Honestly, so like the people who I'm friends with now, <laughs> like I knew them in high school. Like we've yeah. been friends that long, so I have this like I have a vision of the evolution that they've gone through, mm. and I don't have a full vision of your evolution because I didn't know you when we were younger. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. So tell me a little bit more about high school Shay. Like who is she friends with? Mm. What does she spend her time doing? What did she wear? What was she listening to? <laughs> like, what was she yeah. like in class? Like, with teachers? Like, all that stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, okay, a few things stand out. So, I was I was an emo scene kid. Or at least a wannabe emo scene kid. Um, I was, like, the big dashboard confessional, taking back Sunday, Emery. Like, <laughs> that was my mode. And I spent a lot of time listening to music, um, which I still do. I still think I've carried that, but, like, the grown-up iterations of emo music now. (laughs) (laughs) They might sound a little sweeter, but the lyrics are still going to pull you right into that dark place. (laughs) So I've always liked the dark place. It's a good place for me to thrive. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I, I was an emo kid, but I don't know that I was ever part of, like I said, part of any friend group. Like, I had my really really good friends and they were usually um people that just kind of stumbled into my life um but ended up being very meaningful but they but I wasn't always part of their group and they weren't Mm. always part of mine because I I spent a lot of time with those individuals but then I like would skip around to different groups usually outside of my high school so like I went to a private Christian school, which just because it was a private Christian school did not mean that the people that went there were like anything what I envisioned, quote, Christians to be at the time, <laughs> right? Um, mm. There were still like popular groups and... and it's the, the whole same thing. Exactly. Okay. It's the same thing, just yep. in, a, in a microcosm because there was only like a 100 people in my class, right? Mm. So... I opted not to hang out with people from high school so much from where I went to school, but, but more so people in my youth group. Um, so I did a lot like in high school, uh, if, if I had a boyfriend at the time, like I would hang out with him and his friends, but if I didn't, wasn't dating somebody there, I was like with my church group. Like Mm. I was like, oh what did we even do we did so much stupid crap we like went and hung out at fred meyers at like midnight (laughs) like went and sat on the armchair section and would just shoot the shit doing nothing we would go to walmart
0: yes like we would just—that was just a thing we did in high school. Was just go to Walmart. We have zero dollars <laughs> to buy yeah, anything. exactly.
1: <laughs> Why are we were like I don't know where else. We There's not another to do. indoor facility. Okay, but
0: also that makes me like a small town kid feel yeah. really good because like you're from mm-hmm. like a much. I mean bigger city bigger yeah. city and there's I mean like yes you could drive somewhere further and like get there if you wanted to which you wouldn't in high school but like yeah. you know we're like down in Clarkson we're like well this is a tiny little town where there's nothing yes. to do so we go to Walmart, well, Walmart. and it makes me so happy that yeah. like we just went to Fred Myers. Fred Myers
1: <laughs> it's Dude. just the elevated Walmart we could have hung out in high school if <laughs> we had picked the same grocery store <laughs> this is how friend groups are made so funny <laughs> <laughs> oh I love it we used to do silly things too. Like, um, have you ever played the game Fugitive? Yes. Oh That's my a god! huge
0: Game down the valley. I because, freaking like, loved Redder? it. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, that would be so fun. I and would, it was I, a church thing. Yes, it was a what? church kid thing. See, see, youth group friends. <laughs> if you're listening, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I remember, and I would love to arrange an adult game of Fugitive because it was so much that would fun. Stress me
0: the fuck out. I would not. <laughs> want to play that game.
1: And I'm surprised you
0: do too, because do you remember when we went and played laser tag with B and then like three oh. Of our boyfriends? Oh like, my god! You and I were like, "What the fuck are we doing Why? here? This is so
1: stressful." Why,
0: what makes you think you'd be different in a? In a, no, but,
1: in this. here's But here's what I do. Here's And this gives you some insight into high school me, kay. which is also still me yeah. here and now, is that I would just ride somebody's coattails.
0: Like I would. Right. <laughs> just,
1: you're actually playing the game of yes. fugitive. Yes, but you're And I'm wit. just right. I am your unified twin right here, uh, shoulder to shoulder, because yeah. I don't know what I'm doing, but you look like you do. So I'm with you right now. <laughs> yeah. That's how I would get through it and that's yes. how I would have fun. Is I'd just Makes be the sense. hype woman, you know? And mm-hmm. do what I do best and I would scream and I would laugh and like be that person. But yeah. someone else is making all the decisions. Right. Every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so That's awesome. Some yeah, some of those things. Um, I mean I was like I was also that kid that was um well known for my writing potential mm. so okay if I think about the things that I was well known for in high school one was like my writing potential because like people in English classes were always like oh Shay's so good at xyz because I like wrote poetry and um usually did well on those like more creative based assignments and we had kind of a fine arts school thing going on there like mm. People were in choir, or they were in um, drama, or they, I don't know, we had some sports, but because it was so small, like, the arts had a lot more focus. Yeah. And I could never fit into those, like, performing arts spaces, but I was, I had writing ability that was strong. And it was also something I loved, so people knew me for that, quote, knew me. Yeah. Um, But I was also known as, like, the deep-feeling person. And that is still true today, right? Like I'm gonna put something together. We're like in small group at youth group, right? And we're talking about whatever, whatever the sermon was about, or whatever the the hinge topic was at church. And then I was like the quiet, like listen to what everybody has to say. But then, like, come at everybody with, like, this great inside moment. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to wait my turn until it's the perfect time to drop <laughs> this bomb on everybody. And have everybody hold their hands over their heart and be like, oh, yeah, I feel that. Like, that was me. And I had... And I probably... That probably increased my identity in the church because I had so much pride in mm-hmm. being that person. hmm Right? That is yeah. a gift of mine. Yeah. It still is. Yeah. But I put it in this one section of my life that that was my outlet for it that like attached me even stronger Mm. and attached my ego to this part of me that, you know, is a gift. But like, I felt like in high school, I didn't have any other role. This was what I was good at. It was like an underground being noticed, but I, I had an outlet for it and a channel in the church. Yeah. Or I didn't in my high school group. Like I had friends that would maybe appreciate some of that, but mostly it was in this context where we're trying to get a little bit deeper High school kids need more of that, but, like, a healthy outlet or system for it to, like, talk about their feelings and their thoughts on things. Yeah. I hope it's getting better with how much the world is changing. But then it was, like, that was the only space.
0: Yeah.
1: I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A church was, yeah. And, I mean, like, I wouldn't even say in those groups we were able to Get to, like, the root of, like, real things or, like, Mm -hmm. actually talk candidly about how we were feeling without some sort of shame Mm -hmm. from the church. Mm -hmm. But it was the closest thing to open honesty about life. Yeah. Because I didn't experience that at school, hardly at home. Yeah. I mean, like, my parents, I never felt shame from my parents, but I don't feel like we talked a ton Mm -hmm. I think I initiated a lot of conversations with my parents. Yeah. They didn't. But, like, I agree. Like, I hope that it's more commonplace for there to be spaces for adolescents to have, like, those types of conversations.
1: Yeah. I think about... Because at that time, I was so unaware of of any kind of... Sh- I mean, I was aware of shame when I felt it. But, like, circumstances that now, I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like... Like, the person that comes to youth group and they're feeling so guilty about having done some sexual activity with their boyfriend. Yeah, and It's always that. Yeah, it's always it's that. All, it's always some
0: sexual thing. Exactly.
1: Yep. And then they're sitting there and they're, like, crying and, and basically using youth group as a confessional.
0: Yeah.
1: And the response of everybody is, like, you know, put an arm around them or, like, give them a hug and, like, like it's okay and and, like thank you for being honest and like there's space for redemption right but it's like these are things in my mind that don't always need to be redeemed and so just being able to remind somebody Mm -hmm. in that space now like I look if I could rewind it and I could like change my reaction to some of these moments it would have been like you're you are good yeah you are all good there's nothing bad you it's do good. not need to cry right now and i mean it's okay to cry right. but like, you don't the need to cry on behalf and of... shame about what you did yes it actually doesn't serve you yes it is not necessary exactly yeah like this is a space for you to actually just open up about what you're feeling yeah and what you're experiencing but i don't want you to feel like people need any specific response from you even if you just came in and you said i did the thing mm-hmm. Shrug your shoulders. Sit there. Yeah. Like, this is a safe space. Yeah, we need
0: basically AA for all humans. Yes. Uh, (laughs)
1: Humans Anonymous. Humans Anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have (laughs) t-shirts for that.
0: Humans Anonymous. (laughs) Let's come talk about our bullshit. Yeah, I feel like our club would grow very quickly there. (laughs) Yeah, it would. Okay, that was fun. Yeah. Thanks for taking us back to high (laughs) school, Shane. Um... What was your relationship like with your parents and your sister around that age?
1: Mm. I um I mean, I think I I both adored my mother and compared myself to her constantly. Mm, how so? Um, she is the most. A hospitable person that I've ever met in my life yeah she's an enneagram too she is how can I be of service how can I give myself to you how can I be what you need me to be um she's very others focused and so there was this narrative of like and it wasn't a spoken narrative all the time but sometimes it was right like selfishness is not permissible not an option yeah yeah selflessness is the way this is what it looks like to live like jesus and she lives that way and it's such a it's honestly such a beautiful thing to see it in action because she's so um like if i were to get sick right now like as a 30 almost 32 year old woman if i were to get sick if i were to get covid right she'd be here in two seconds and i would she would be here she would have all of the the like accoutrements to help nurse me back to health Mm -hmm. she doesn't blink an eye and she truly wants to be that like that is true to her soul and her spirit is like I care and I care deeply and I want to be there um and so she was this kind of like cool mom growing up right where it's like she wanted people to feel free to come to our house Mm. would never blink an eye at like hosting something a sleepover or um the youth group comes over for um rock band and like she makes all the snacks and and stuff like that yeah um but in contrast right i am nothing like her (laughs) in that way (laughs) like i am not acts of service i am not the world's hospitable one who's like let me host all the things let me do all the things um I think there's elements of that that show up in me as a result of being raised that way but like I it's not my natural state Mm -hmm. my natural tendency and also my mom being very social and very others focused um I she was like a cheerleader in high school and on the swim team and these things um, even though she's even said like she didn't feel like she fit in anywhere, but I, I would compare myself to those things and be like, I'm, I don't measure up to what the, what she wants me to be. Mm. And it was just story. It wasn't, it wasn't communicated that way in this really like blatantly stated way. But I, yeah. I told myself this story that I wasn't the like popular, um, girly <laughs> whatever that my mother wanted me to be hmm. so growing up and that was that was the tension is and then on top of that the um my mom has a really strong value system that is rooted in christianity and not that i would ever want to argue that right i don't want to argue that i she's entitled to her belief system um but it. It made me feel inadvertent shame at times growing up. Like, I can't be human Mm -hmm. to you because you want me to be the picture-perfect Christ follower. And I'm not because no one is. But this is my mother who's always put that first in her life in every way, shape, and form. Mm. And so the comparison, there's not a ton of seemingly at times there's not a ton of understanding mm. like she can love yeah. me yeah. but she can't relate to me wanting to choose a different path yeah right not even the like not believing in god but like just uh, more finite than that like even having different ideas of like what hell is right.
0: <laughs> was a
1: hard conversation we've had at a time like yeah. so there's there's some um, Shame there Then I think that we've gotten so much better at approaching with one another and so much more graceful and accepting. But it's taken the last three years of, like, hard things to get there. Hmm. And then with my dad, he's, like, this very logical, um, like, not – he's not the warm, fuzzy person. He's not cold, either but he's just not warm and fuzzy where my mom is all the warm and fuzzy my dad gave me all of the practicalities and the have you thought about this and the curiosity and the um NPR like on the way to school and and things that I were easier for me to deal with than my emotions so I think I like put my dad Mm -hmm. on a pedestal growing up because it was it was easier. It seemed easier to be a logical person than an emotional person. Mm. But. Why though? <laughs> I think because I, I saw emotions as um, a bad thing, a like selfish thing, a mm.
0: too much thing. Mm.
1: And I mean, my dad has said numerous times, like. Why are you being so sensitive? Or, like, just, like, those offhand comments about being emotional. And now I can recognize that as shadow, right? Like, he's uncomfortable with that in himself, so he's uncomfortable with that in me. Um, Which is probably why, like, the universe put my mother and my father together, is to learn for them to freaking learn something from each other about these things, but um at in my youth i think i put my dad on a pedestal because i was ashamed of my emotions and i wanted mm. them to go away mm. and i could see i've always been able to see both emotion and logic in any situation and have have um had a, an ability to choose right like i see emotion mm. here and i see logic here and because i felt shame I would often choose logic Mm. over feeling the feeling. And I think that that is... You would compartmentalize.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I can see Mm. these things. And when my mom would get upset with my dad, for example, about not being able to see her side, her emotion side, I would get defensive and be like, well, this is the way dad sees the world. So we Mm. need to be aware of how dad sees the world. We're like... It was very... I Which think, you could have the same argument for your mom. Exactly. But I didn't. I yeah. didn't. Because yeah. I think I saw, I saw my own emotions as irrational, so I saw hers as irrational. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so interesting because I also think, like, it's interesting thinking about the environment that you were raised, so, like with your parents, and how they kind of formed this idea for you of what, is good and bad basically emotionally right mm-hmm. and but then when you think about like your zodiac sign like aquarius uh-huh.
1: not like, emotion
0: yeah like yeah. your already tendency is to like disconnect from emotion yeah and be logical mm-hmm. so it's like that also plays into that shadow part of yourself that you are actually emotional because we as humans are yes and and then also as a nine this idea of like my emotions don't matter Mm -hmm. other people's whatever is happening matters more than mine so it's like you have all these compounding things adding up together to like Mm -hmm. you'd be like nope emotions are not good for me yeah i don't feel i don't want to feel them so i'm gonna do all i can to not no no
1: (laughs) bye (laughs) well yeah no and aquarius right as as um wants all the compassion Without any of the feeling. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're like community. They're, the yeah. whole thing is like how do we elevate the community? How do we take care of the community? And I am a very compassionate person by nature. Yeah. I care very deeply. But I think one of my life lessons has been. You have to care. If you can't care about yourself. Your own emotional experience. Like you, you can't ever fully care. Fully show up for community
0: yeah
1: right yeah it's been a hard and beautiful life lesson which i my scorpio my lilith is in scorpio and i think that that plus my daughter has shown me so much about emotion (laughs) that i didn't didn't expect to in your face at all times yeah exactly here you go volatile emotions this is what you get to work with Form a good relationship with them. Bye. <laughs> oh my god, I love that.
0: Okay, let's um, let's like change gears a little bit okay. and like let's bring it into like today. Mm-hmm. Um, what is something that people generally get wrong about you?
1: Hmm. Oh, I I people consistently. Think that I I think you gave the same answer. People consistently think that I am an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And I am absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not Mm-mm. an extrovert. No. But my Gemini rising like effervescence is mm-hmm. really strong at times. Yeah. Or like when it needs to be. In my job I have to be that fairly consistently when I'm teaching a class or I am running a workshop or interacting with somebody in a customer service environment. And then also when I am, when I am letting go, right? When I'm letting go of energy, it's like, I am fully in my social self and I am like big laughter, big fun and big connection. What do you mean letting go of energy? Like you gain energy being alone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's the whole introvert thing. So when I'm alone with myself or in just very, like, quiet, comfortable spaces, I'm gaining all this energy. And then, like, there comes this itchy point where I'm like, I gotta let it out.
0: Mm, the I release go. of
1: energy. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I need that, like, Friday night at the winery talking to strangers on a little wine buzz yeah. in order to release some of what's built up. Yeah. But it's not what gives me energy. Right. You know? So that is a common misconception. Oh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that is interesting that I have discovered. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's a what's a word that, like, people use to describe you pretty consistently? Um, and
1: do you... How do you feel about these words (laughs) um i think that people describe me fairly consistently as like um heart like like depth or beyond the surface i don't even know how what word to pick for it really yeah um but i mean that that to me is is me I think I'm a lot more than that, but I think that that has been fairly accurate. I feel like I've gotten to this point where, like, maybe in the past, people would have chosen words for me, and I would have been like, no, (laughs) I don't, that's not really who I am, or that's not really Mm. true, but I feel like I've shown up so much more, like, authentically over the last few years, that Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to think of contrasting words. Mm -hmm. Do you have, like... Oh, I thought this about Shay before I knew her really well. Mm.
0: No. <laughs> we went, like, zero no, to 60 the bus. Yeah. so... Yeah, um... No, I... I'm generally attracted to people energetically, mm-hmm. honestly. And it's, like, um... I find people boring really easy Mm -hmm. and so when I'm intrigued or interested which doesn't happen honestly very often (laughs) I am interested in people's stories and like I care deeply for people but like Mm -hmm. for me like to want a like an actual real relationship with someone like Mm -hmm. that intrigue does not happen very often and with you like and it's not even a conscious thing, like I can yeah. just I can just name it now that it's happened in the past and I can look back on it, but it's mm-hmm. like i was I was interested yeah. and I don't have a reason I don't have any specific reason why like she said this or she did this or like nothing. I have nothing like yeah. that because I didn't know you at all, yeah, I was just like, I think me and Shay should hang out, yeah, I, I want to hang out with Shay, yeah.
1: yeah, and then you just got to know real me very quickly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but in the best way I can think of a word example that's not I mean it's not like a perception thing it's not like a like oh someone I don't know me no someone I don't know very well thinks this about me but it's more just like an offshoot story that has to do with the word yeah um we were having a conversation one time and I remember we, we were working through something hard and you told me that I was one of the most dramatic people that you've ever met. And I remember being so stabbed by that, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: huh, like so much pain over it. And when I talked to my therapist about this experience and I was like, I'm so triggered, like this hurt me so bad. I don't understand. And then she was like, she made reframe, right? She was like, okay, would you call Pablo Picasso dramatic? And I was like, well, yeah. And then she was like, what are all of these qualities about him? Like, what are the good qualities about being dramatic? What are the, the what's the story qual- like qualities that you're yeah. telling yourself? Yeah. And um, I think that that word is so interesting because now, like, I, I feel like somebody could call me that and I would be, like, not stabbed by it because i've embraced like oh yeah i am like me and my overwhelm is dramatic like me and my um deep emotional sensitivities is dramatic but like not in this nasty way like mm-hmm. it's like a oh no like this is just a deep emotive person yeah expressing where they are yeah. you know what i mean yeah but yeah i think like that's the kind of thing i would have been like that's not me That's not who I am. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of part of who I am. (laughs) That's not a bad thing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I definitely remember that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You were, yeah, you were very hurt. I was. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I agree. Like, the word dramatic, like, if someone calls me dramatic, like, Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't have these triggers around it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, dramatic has a more neutral, like, expression to me than... Good or bad, yeah. you know. It's like it's somewhere in the middle. It's it's all of it. It's none of it. Yeah. And dramatic, yeah. And the like for that word specifically, it was like you laugh big and you yeah you feel deeply and you watch that movie and it makes you cry and like you really, <laughs> yeah you listen to that song and you feel it in your body like yeah, you know it exactly. was it was all the things. It wasn't dramatic in like your being the derogatory term, yeah. Which dramatic definitely. Definitely has a derogatory... Yeah. Like, it can be used as a bad word. Yeah. For sure. So it's like, I'm not trying to be
1: like, you shouldn't have thought it that way, because I understand. No, but it's like, that's... I think that's where, like, that particular experience helped me so much, because it was like, oh, every person that has a superpower, it is also a detriment to them. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, my, um, my being deeply sensitive or deep feeling or whatever, it can, it can be the best version of that and the best parts of me, which is the big laughter and the like, let's start a deep conversation and go beyond the surface. And it can be the, the, like writing a poem that means a lot or listening to a song and just like feeling elevated to a mountain, you know? Yeah. But then it can also be this other side that I have to actually sit with as well. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like when we feel those triggers, it's this invitation into like, okay, this is a good, this is some of the good things, the best things about you, and also this is where it can get a little dicey sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So interesting. Okay. That was a, that was a offshoot, but.
0: There are no such things as mm-hmm. derailing or offshoots. Uncalculated conversations. Okay. So friend, we've talked about words other people have used for you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. What are three words you would describe? Like use for Mm -hmm. yourself.
1: Mm -hmm. Passionate. Um, Peacekeeping. And I mean that in a good way. Not where it can get me in trouble. But it still feels like a deep part of me. Um, And...
0: Well maybe do you mean peacemaking? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I mean like within myself as much as I do in an outward expression. Mm. Like comfort is very important to me mm-hmm. as part of the peacemaking, peacekeeping inside. Yeah. yeah. Um visionary. Mm. hmm Yeah. Yeah. I think those are those are the three that I would choose. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I yeah. can't agree
1: because you could decide for yourself. It's <laughs> funny because I, I like hear myself say those words and I'm like, oh, those are words that you use to describe like a powerful person. Yeah. And then I'm like, we, do I see myself as a powerful person? And I'm like, well, now I do. Yeah. Now I do? <laughs> yeah. But I would not have felt like that a while ago, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
0: You should post those words somewhere where you see them often.
1: Yeah. What a good thought exercise for people to do, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. What are your three words? Yeah. Hmm. And then do you actually treat yourself like you are those three words? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's someone else that embodies these qualities? Look at, look at them and be like, what do you admire about them? It could be even an imaginary person. Yeah.
0: Right? Like, not even someone you actually know. Exactly. But like if I can imagine these three words in a person... Mm -hmm. What what, what would be my reaction to this person? How would I treat them? How would I feel about them? Yeah. Am I doing that for myself? Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: I think self-talk and the way we treat ourselves is an issue. Yes. Extremely. Yeah. And you know, you know, you coach people. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, like, you know, like Luke, of course, doesn't give me any details, but like he coaches also. And like, Mm -hmm. I feel like. Ninety percent of the battle is what people have to deal with changing about what how they talk to themselves. Inside.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh. What they believe about themselves. Hundred percent. We always say yeah. in coaching if we could send people to therapy at the same time as they are, or even as a prerequisite. Yes, to yeah. jumping into the program. Like, I think a prerequisite therapy. <laughs> yeah. Please go to therapy and work on the inner stuff so that you are ready to then. Translate that, goal, that to else. behaviors. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's not just like numbers on a scale or whatever. It's so much more than that because yeah. you're ultimately, you're learning how to take care of yourself and that's mind, body, soul. And yeah. that's your big goals that are like, oh, I never thought I could do that. It's so much more. Yeah. So yeah. go to therapy. If you're wanting to lose <laughs> weight or start a fitness journey and you would come to a coach, we highly recommend... <laughs> Therapy is a prerequisite. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about um, the enneagram. Your experience with the enneagram, mm. how you stumbled upon it, um, yeah. the journey that you've had with it. Did you figure out you were nine really quickly? Mm. And then, what have been like your top learnings or takeaways?
1: It's my favorite question ever. <laughs> Of all time. (laughs) I'm glad I could do that for you. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for giving me a space to talk about the thing that I talk about constantly anyways. (laughs) You can't tell already. I really love the Enneagram. Um, Okay, so I've been obsessed with personality paradigms ever since... God. uh, uh, Myers-Briggs?
0: When did you first find out about Myers-Briggs,
1: though? Um, I was uh, in my first year of my career in human resources, and we did the Myers-Briggs test as, like, a unit. So, Were at that time... Were you an intern, or...? No, I was, like, so full-time time So, it was, like, HR 22, associate.
0: 21?
1: Yeah. Okay. I was 20, 22. Okay. 22 years old. Um, we do this test, and I find out that I am an INFJ, and... INFJs apparently account for like 1% of the population. It's like the rarest Myers-Briggs type that there is, um, supposedly, because I've met so many INFJs since that time that I'm like, mm, I don't know about this. Me too. I don't know about this. I
0: know, and they, every single INFJ I've met tell me that same statistic. Exactly. They're like, I am the rarest type. I am the And rarest- I'm like, I... I want to believe you, but I just don't.
1: <laughs> it's because we're a bunch of fours and nines who don't understand ourselves. <laughs> so how can the world understand us? Exactly. Um, but yeah, that I latched on to that statistic because I had never felt fully seen or understood by anybody, including myself. And now I'm mm-hmm. reading all these words about who i am in a way that i never would have been able to put into prose and And you relate
0: to them like you feel like they're correct
1: hardcore like they talk about in an infj um Mm. breakdown like a you're a bunch of paradoxes so like Mm -hmm. you're extremely friendly you're also extremely introverted Mm. you are really really kind you also have this deep anger like you have all these things that exist in you at all times, but, like, you cannot sort through them. And it is just, it's basically how I see, like, the nine and the four, where it's, like, you either channel that into um, community and upkeeping relationships, or you channel that into creativity. These are, like, feel like the two Mm -hmm. main iterations of how you deal with your INFJ-ness. Okay. But anyways, I, like, I was really, really deep in the Myers-Briggs for a long time. Um, when I was going through my divorce, I came back into it pretty strong to help, like I needed a tool to help me understand what was going on in myself. Cause I was so mm-hmm. confused by my own emotional reaction. I was like, I, I need to understand through the research, <laughs> what, um, what I'm supposed to do with all this. Like where are the hidden things that I don't quite understand about myself and, And maybe if I can find some language for it, then I can recover from what's happening to me. Well, around that time, um, I had a bunch of friends in the church because the Enneagram has been popularized in churches, even though it is not a Christian paradigm at all. Mm -mm. It's actually, yeah, I won't give a history (laughs) lesson on the Enneagram, but it is not based in... It was um, not originated by Christians. No. It was not. Which, they'll tell you that it was, but yeah, it's not. it's not. You gotta read the books. <laughs> <laughs> not the new ones. The old ones. Yeah. Um, but someone had told me about it, and they're like, "You, we know you love personality paradigms. Like, we're obsessed with Enneagram, you should take it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll take one. So I originally, I took an online test, and it typed me as a 2, because it types everyone as a 2, because we live in a universe where you are supposed to be a two, which is people-pleasing,
0: Altruistic. kindness,
1: yep, exactly. Yep, selfless. Exactly. Uh-huh, Yeah. So a lot of times people mistype as twos because of culture, not because of who they are.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And I read it, and I was like, parts of this resonate, but parts of it don't. And I was like, I don't know. And then I think I took it again a few months later, and then I typed as a four, and I was like, oh, okay, this feels a little bit closer to home, um, but it still didn't hit all the way, because it was like, it was all about emotions, it was all about feeling, deep feeling, but like, in individuality, and also feeling deeply your own feelings, and this is someone who's been denying their feelings for a very long time at this point, uh-huh. and I was like, I don't, this isn't me either, yeah. I I don't know, um, so yeah. I feel like, was
0: it maybe the like individuality of a four yes. that you're like, I connect with that yeah. because I do feel like an individual, like a unique, unique kind of like unicorn. Exactly.
1: Yeah. The 1% thing, yeah. right. It was the same with the four where I was like, I had, I can't remember what I had read at this time, but it was something like the four prides itself on being different mm. And probably if I were to have held my pride in any one spot, like, through my early 20s, it would have been, I'm different. Mm. I see the world differently than other people. I feel about things differently than other people because of my ability to hold logic and emotion in the same space and choose. Like, I was like, I see everything in gray all the time. And I feel this deep stuff, but then I, like, am also very... um, logical and calculated in the way i approach things and so i was like okay this feels closer to me yeah but still like reading about it i was like there's not a lot of complexity to the enneagram um upon first glance you like read about your type and like okay right right thank you yeah for that short description yep i want to know so much more (laughs) so eh, i can take it (laughs) or leave it but then sleeping at last one of my favorite musicians came out with um, his series on Enneagram Types. And I remember starkly, I was sitting at this kitchen table where we are recording right now. And I heard, Britton actually was the one. He was like, I heard this song and you need to listen to it. Like, I just, you need to listen to it. Like, he's like, I will listen to it and I bawled and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. So it was was one. Because all of them are the nine types. So they each just have that title, right? And it was the Enneagram One song. And it's all about perfectionism. (laughs) And I am sitting at the table with like tears running down my face. And I was like, oh my gosh. That hits in such a deep way. Mm -hmm. And then the podcast came out where um, he's working with... Oh, why can't I remember his name right now? Uh, an Enneagram expert about um, talking to them about each type. And I'm listening and I'm like, this is so much richer than what I thought it was. Mm. Well, I was carpooling with my friend Kelsey at the time. And she, she, I was telling her like, oh, this is really interesting to me. And I was like, I, I didn't care about it very much. But then these songs came out and I'm like kind of curious. And she goes, Shay, you're not supposed to type people. So this is not me typing you, but I really think you should read more about Enneagram 9s. And she's like, I just, I think, especially with your reaction to the one song, like, I think this might be significant for you. Just read about it. And I was like, okay. I read about that night. (laughs) I'm like sitting in bed, reading the description, and it's talking about how 9s, Repress their own voice, their own opinions, their own feeling selves, their own everything in order to keep peace with those around them, but also with themselves. So, like, they can't, they feel like they're dying when they're encountering uncomfortable emotions. So, they find coping means of escaping from them, which is either fixing what's going on around them, um, peacekeeping with other people. So, being the mediator, which is a role I've played my entire life. I still do. I still do. Yeah. yeah. Again, those yeah. superpowers that can also be detrimental to you. Yeah. Um, playing the role as mediator, playing the role as mediator to yourself, even to the point where you're not even like letting through the uncomfortable thing because you're like, "What's the right thing to choose? I'm gonna choose the right thing, mm. not what is right for me, but what is right by whatever standard is going to make things as comfortable as possible."
0: Yeah.
1: And so within my marriage, that played out. In a very significant way because my reaction to the betrayals that we had encountered were like, fix it. If he can be okay, if he can be better, then you can be better inside. Like, you don't have to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. and have trust issues and have to deal with all of this pain mm-hmm. if your husband heals from his addictive stuff. Like, if this happens, you'll be just fine. And so I focused all of my attention and energy in different ways over six years in how can he be better. And in that, I completely repressed any way that I needed to work on me or come to terms with these things because I defined my okayness through his. The whole fear with the nine is that you're gonna sever connection and like lose connection with people which is really actually lose connection with the divine. And I like I remember reading about it and just like feeling like I'd been punched in the gut cuz I was like, yeah, that's the fear. The fear is of loss. Hmm. It's of loss mm-hmm. of meaningful connection and that's something I've juggled in friendships, it's something I've juggled with my spiritual journey. It's just, it's, it's all over the place for me. But I have had to become very aware of the ways that I am trying to maintain peace, usually internally more than externally. So, like, I mediate with people and I try to manage situations like that. But, like, also in myself, how am I trying to escape this feeling? Is it through numbing? Is it through um, putting something off? Is it through distraction? Like... Oh, I went through so many iterations of it in my healing journey. And now I still do it, but I can f- see myself doing it. And I can choose something different. And the Enneagram gave me that self-awareness uh, in order to name the things. And what, I, what the, the fear was underneath of my behavior.
0: Yeah, I agree. I do think the power of the Enneagram is them being able to name the fear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because personality is flexible and... Yeah. I don't want my personality to be the same today that it was when I was 18. Yep. Like, I definitely want to have a completely different personality by the time I'm 40. Like, so personality paradigms never really made sense to me. Yeah. But, like, the Enneagram is, like, here's the thing below the thing. Exactly. What are you afraid of?
1: It's really about soul more than it is about personality. Yeah. It's about essence. Yeah. Who did you come in this world as under all of the the crap that the world has now layered over you or out of shame and guilt and trying to appease the world whatever that looks like your parents or your church or your friends or whatever and and the enneagram says let's take off these layers of personality yeah and look at the the thing that you were created as the person that you were meant to be your divine essence and purpose yeah, and where some of these things got mucked up, like the the virtues are like the the purposes, I guess, of each of the nine types, like the deep calling um, to the divine, and like the nines is love,
0: mm-hmm.
1: holy love. What is love? What is real love? Not consolation love, but real love. And I thought love was peace. That's the consolation version. That the world taught me I should turn to, to avoid the discomfort or the fear of disconnection. But real love requires hard stuff. Yeah. You know, it was like real love requires that uncomfortable conversation or conflict because you don't know people unless you accept all of their feelings and all the parts of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, including yourself. <laughs> yes. So especially yourself. Yeah, that's true. So that's that's the Enneagram to me. That's great. Mm.
0: Okay, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Okay, we are back and uh I'm going to ask Shay one more question about herself and then we're going to end the episode with some quick fire questions because those are my favorite. <laughs> okay. So we talked about the Enneagram. Um, tell us a little bit about your Zodiac experience mm. going into horoscopes and all of that. Yeah. Um. I, I know for... Me, and I don't know if this is the same for you, but growing up Christian, like mm. the whole Zodiac thing was kind of like this witchy thing that we were like, yeah, it's not real. And like, you shouldn't even get into it because it's <sighs> evil basically. Yep. 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 So it took me a long time to get into War and not even because I held on to that belief, but because it just never came about where yeah. I felt like it was a priority for me to look into.
1: Yeah. But
0: I'm glad I have now. So I want to hear <laughs> about your experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, my mom still hates that I like these things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she hates it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but um, what's her sign, by the way? She's a Sagittarius. Oh. Uh huh. She's the most Sagittarius Sagittarius I've ever met, <laughs> with a Pisces moon, baby. <laughs> Ooh. My mom has so many intuitive power. She is only starting to slightly tap into. My goodness. What's her rising? I don't remember. Ooh, I, I don't I'm remember. i really am interested to see what that is. Okay, back yeah. yeah. on to you. She's a very Sagittarius person. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Taurus. <laughs> That's
0: where my mind went, to be honest, but I wasn't going to say it.
1: She, all the twos in our life have Taurus influence. Um. Okay, so around that same time, right, that I was getting into the Enneagram and I was just looking for answers in a lot of different spaces, um... I also stumbled upon astrology and I don't even know how it, it fell in my lap, I think. Mm. Cause I, I think that I was meant to find all of it at once. Um, I find the best insights when I combine astrology with the Enneagram. Um, so when I'm reading a birth chart, but then also have this, um, lens of looking at it through the Enneagram. But, Oh my gosh, it's such a box of worms to get into because <laughs> you have... Everybody thinks about, like, your sun sign is this is astrology. This is the thing. And most people are like, that's crap because I do not relate to that sign at all, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, that's not me. That's it. because... And it's here's why. Because astrology is 10,000 times more complicated than just your sun sign, yeah. right? Yeah. There are... Um, there are 12 placements, 12 houses. Um, there are different signs that occupy each house and each one means something different. So where your sun is like the core of who you are, this deep, dark, buried thing, it's also influenced by all these other things. So your rising is like the lens through which you see the world and your moon is your emotional self. You look at your Mercury and it's like your communication. Venus is about your the way you look at love and pleasure. There's so many different aspects and then different houses and signs that in all of those combinations tell this big picture story about who you are. And I don't see astrology as a future telling, this is exactly what's gonna happen on this date. Um I don't I don't see it as anything more than using intuition and what God has already given us in the stars to tell a story and mm-hmm. to gain insight. It feels like data. Exactly. Yeah. And like yeah. it's I understand that we that we read certain parts of the Bible that like give warnings about these things, but I feel like that's when you put all your stock in something. Mm-hmm. Where the mm-hmm. astrology that I understand is You're looking at at information, you're looking at stories, you're looking at potentials, you're looking for ways to gain insight about yourself and then make decisions based off of what you know, your true self, your shadow self, like, all of these different elements, right, are coming into play, so... I don't know. I I think the Bible has been interpreted by a lot of white men over a long period of time and I think that you can take a word and you can and chew translated on it. By exactly. Exactly. You can chew on something in Hebrew for frickin' 5 years and yeah. still not fully understand the full meaning. So... Because it's
0: not even it was never even meant to fully understand the meaning. Exactly. It was like Here's a starting point for you guys to have a conversation yep. about it. Maybe for the rest of your lives.
1: For the rest of your life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the way that but I look at yeah, we digress. Like, yeah. That's another podcast. <laughs> yeah. We won't get into that. My God. But really, I think that um, astrology, there's nothing inherently evil about it. But it is how you use the information and where you put stock. So like mm-hmm. anybody who's claiming that astrology is God and has every answer that you've ever been looking for, then sure, yeah, there's something wrong with that probably because it's putting power in somebody else's hands. Yeah. You're not putting power in astrology by using the information to glean insights about yourself. Yeah. So it could even be total crap and you can still look at it and if you see pieces of yourself, you're like, oh, uh uh-huh, there, there's something interesting and you feel it, you're intuitively using that to drive decisions or to... See yourself and others a little clearer. And I just... I see nothing wrong with that inherently. So until something in my deep gut is like, nope, step away from this kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with it.
0: Yeah. But well, it's interesting. I mean, it's yeah. like... It's like this Christian narrative of like like horoscopes are bad. Yeah. But we're going to cling on to this Enneagram thing. Exactly. Which we didn't come up with. But uh-huh. we're going to say this is good... And we came up with it, and this is what you should do. It's like, it's exactly the same thing. It's the same thing.
1: We can rewrite this. No, literally, what the Enneagram is based in, like, if you look farther back, like, if you think astrology is not okay, then this is not okay. Like, it's just, you you can't have one or the other. Okay, so how
0: did, okay, so when you first kind of, like, you said it dropped into your lap. Yeah. So, I'm assuming you already knew your sign was Aquarius, like your sun sign. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, like, what was your experience...
1: Unpacking the rest, unpacking
0: it, delving into it, even yeah. just being an Aquarius,
1: yeah. So I won't go into the whole chart, but in astrology we have what we call the big three. So your sun, your moon, and your rising sign make up the core, pretty much, of your personality. um Even though there's a lot of other influences, and when I when I got to know my big three well, the and put it together with the enneagram, that's where I was like, uh huh, uh huh like I am an aquarius sun so very very community focused that's that's been my top value for as long as I can remember yeah and my top value that I live in accordance to um so being very very um curious about others being very interested in systems that serve the greater good and trying to look at things from new angles is very Aquarian. Like
0: Mm. how can I
1: look at this differently and how can I be visionary when I, Mm. when I am looking to serve the community? How can I look at this from different angles They're very knowledge seeking, which I am a research person, like about the things I care about. It's not about everything, but it's like I can read about the things, things. exactly. Like, hope knows if you if I meet you as a stranger, I will just explain all the things about you in these paradigms as I can. Like, (laughs) I'm like, let me unpack all the details and like show you things about yourself, and um, that's because I just read about my my type but also other types constantly because it's so interesting to me yeah so the research side of me the visionary side of me the community-oriented side of me is very Aquarius but Aquarians are also not known for being deep feelers they can step back from their feelings pretty well um in order to serve that greater good and and in service of logic and so I then am like well I relate but I don't Um, But when I look at my moon, um, which is in Taurus, Taurus is very sensitive, um, especially about their environment. So that includes people that you have around you, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, very energetically sensitive. They're comfort seekers. And they're like, I, so emotionally, we're looking at Taurus through the moon. So emotionally, I am comfort seeking. I want things to be comfortable. I want things to be lacking conflict um, I want things to be stable and grounded mm. that's what I'm looking for um, and so I'm influenced by the people that I'm around I'm influenced by my environment and I'm always trying to seek comfort so that nineness is is there but then Taurus is also extremely stubborn and they're like this is the way this is the way we should feel. It's the way we should be. <laughs> because I'm so community oriented, I've ne- I like have had a hard time coming to terms with that side of myself. But I totally am. I'm like yes, but this is the insight uh-huh. that you should buy into. <laughs> but I said it in a really convincing way. So yeah. Don't, so. Aren't you on this ship yeah. with me now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's really me digging my heels in in this very manipulative way. <laughs> I'm right. It's me. Hi. Um, so that's my Tyrian side and then my Gemini side. So I'm double air, which shows up in a million different ways, but, um, Gemini is just as curious and inquisitive, but it's oriented towards others, like people socially. So I'm there to serve the greater good, but almost in this way that's like, the people that are right in front of my face, where someone <laughs> that's like Aquarian, but with like a let's say a Leo um, rising, is going to probably be more like out in the world. Like I'm going to show the world that I will take care of them. Mm. I need to make this big of an impact where like my Gemini steers me to exactly who's in front of me typically how can I make an impact on you pull you into my community and use my Gemini qualities, which, you know, the two faced piece is is really just a um, not kind way of saying I can be what you need me to be. Mm. Right. Like the twins, like I have multiple sides to my personality. Yeah. So I'm going to be real social and fun and bubbly in front of you. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to um, crawl on the couch and be quiet for three hours. Cause I'm so taxed, right? That's how I look at my Gemini side. It's, like, super social and fun and integrated and then completely closed off and shut down. And, like, I need to replenish and recharge. So those are the big ones. And then I would add that, like, being double air is a lot of my absent-mindedness or... Like I am that person that has fifty unread texts at any given moment, and like <laughs> ten thousand emails sitting unread, and like I can't handle scheduling. Thank God for my fiance, um, <laughs> <laughs> who does all of that for me. But um, being double aired, like being stuck in your head in a never ending loop of whatever the things are that you care about and need to do, and sometimes not being able to get out of that space. Mm. Into the material plane, which is actually very Enneagram 9, like that sloth self.
0: Mm.
1: But it's the, why am I slothy? Because I'm so stuck in my head thinking about all the things. I think about it to death, so I never do it.
0: Ah.
1: So that's, I mean, those are some of the major insights. There's been so much more, but yeah. it's helped me understand myself and come to terms with, with those pieces of my personality. Too. Yeah,
0: yeah. yep (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot and it's all true and yeah i mean all those pieces of you true but it's all good yeah it's all good stuff
1: yeah you know we should do chart breakdowns for an episode i I mean you'd have to break
0: down your own chart (laughs) (laughs) because that's true
1: but i can break (laughs) down yours I can have guess. We can we can do
0: an episode where you break down yours. Oh my and god. And then I'll ask more questions and
1: We should do like know. a blind fifteen minute interview with somebody. Like you do a blind fifteen minute interview and then I'm not there and okay. then I come in and I read their chart. Oh. You know? So like they say who they are, but then yeah. I come in with the chart business. Uh huh. And we take it ten layers deeper. <laughs>
0: 10 Layers Pizza. That would be your band name, 10 Layers Pizza. 10 Layers Deeper. <laughs> that is I'm thinking of a cover, <laughs> with
1: The Crust of the Earth. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. Humans Anonymous and 10 Layers Deeper. Oh,
0: so good. Okay, so we're going to go into uh quick fire questions. Okay. Um So Quick answers. It doesn't, I mean, like, try and use what first comes to your mind, okay. but then also try not to expand too much. Okay. Unless I ask more, because okay. I generally. Do you that. can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you were an alcoholic drink, what
1: would you be and why? Gin and tonic. Because I'm a little bit um, botanical and also a little sour. Um, I'm bubbly. All at once. <laughs> Bubbles, for sure. Okay. Do you feel, con- okay,
0: finish the sentence. I feel most connected to the universe when?
1: I'm on a walk. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Why? That's like my thinking time, man. Like, I'm like completely in my body mm. when I'm on a walk and in nature at the same time. The mm. combination of those two things. Cool. Yeah. I like that.
0: Okay, sunrise or sunset?
1: Sunset. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> That's the only reason. (laughs) Because I'm awake for it.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Honesty. Uh, What's something that you are really excited for right now?
1: Oh, all this stuff happening at work. All of the... um, I'm launching an emotional intelligence course. And it's like the type of thing that I never thought I would be able to do in my career in a million years and we're here and I'm like wow it's also the hardest thing going on in my life right now (laughs) so (laughs) they're the same
0: when when is it like officially done and launched and you start teaching
1: um so it's a question mark right now we were supposed to pilot in January but it's being pushed back so my guess is that we would be live by March um I'm hoping that that will be the timeline
0: yeah yeah Okay, describe your
1: soul in one sentence. Ugh. I don't know why this is the word that came up. It feels, like, really horrible. What was it? Bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think of this thing that's just, like, I need to creep out of my body. Like, I'm, like, melting into everything else. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) So I'm going to leave it right there. (laughs) Great. bleeding soul.
0: Oh my God. Ten layers of
1: deep. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing yourself with us today. Thanks for listening. I love talking about myself sometimes.
0: Everybody loves talking about themselves.
1: Everybody does. Yeah. Life's lesson number one. <laughs> love you, friend. I love you so much. we love you too. Yeah. Bye. Bye.